Listen, we've got one thing to say and only one thing to say. This podcast is going to be five seconds long and it is Wonka was really good. Oh, I did. I, did. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I think some people will be uh, tickled to find out that. What the? Okay, keep going. Tickled to find. <laughs> we watched Wonka yesterday mm-hmm. and we saw all the jokes about how it's like. My name is Willy Wonka, and he talks like a TikToker. Listen down and quiet up. Yeah. And we were like, this movie's going to be dumb. And then we saw it, and it was really good. No, <laughs> I actually so... thought it was going to be like Greatest Showman, kind, kind of, of like... Something superficial and kind like of like... 12-year-olds love it. Trying to kind of like vague about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but it was really dang, good. <laughs> it was really charming. <laughs> I laughed until I cried at one point. Yeah. I want to talk about the running gag but i wonka spoilers i guess should we talk about the i don't know what you're saying keegan michael key's character i don't know who that is the cop the police officer oh yeah the there's the three villains are bribing him with with chocolate that he loves and they keep giving him like astronomically like ridiculous amounts of chocolate and he gets progressively fatter throughout the whole (laughs) film and it's mad funny and you could say that tickled mckay it tickled me Oh, I don't like it when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was good in case you wanted to know. And everyone who said that it was good last year, you were right. And yeah. now we're more informed and yeah. we can talk about it a little better. Noodle, noodle, apple strudel. Uh huh. Some people don't and some people doodle. So true. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to gallery. <laughs> talking about today am i going first sure no i you go first why rock paper scissors okay best of three yeah really no just one okay wait so whoever wins goes first yeah okay (gasps) no i went first the last time we did rock paper scissors (laughs) and it was me rock paper scissors literally just spoke that's the law you person who goes first person who goes first says oh my gosh can you just go all right I don't want to though. Why are you? I'm okay, like, fine. I can yay. go. I can go first if you want. And that's the episode. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I am really excited to talk about this because I've been thinking about it for like a week. And the more I've thought about it and the more I've researched it, the the cooler and like more of like a positive rabbit hole I've gone down. So I'm not talking necessarily about one piece of art. Excuse me. Museum. No. What? No. You could talk about a museum. I am talking about museum. What's Singular. wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's just not what I'm talking about. I'm talking oh. about kind of a medium, but some people not, might not consider it a medium, but it totally is. Okay. You want to guess it? No. It's kind of like, it's, it's a kind of sculpture. Huh? Uh, marble sculpture. Marble sculpture? No. Uh, wood carving. No, that's a great guess though. Thank you. Yeah, that's the same vein as like what I'm doing. Uh, 3D printing. Yeah, you guessed yeah! it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, knew it, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, I am talking about the wonderful world of 3D printing. Yay! Okay. Which okay. Is so cool. It is cool. This was kind of insinuated when we um. 
we went and stayed with some friends who one of them is a is an avid 3D printer. <laughs> Their apartment you you would look anywhere you look there's a little knickknack that's 3D printed. <laughs> a little thingamabob. A little a little whoozy whatsy. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway. 3D printing is really cool. And if you don't know what it is, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's not just like printing ink on a page. It's printing a three-dimensional object, which sound, to some might sound like dark magic. But let me kind of go <laughs> through. I want to talk about like a brief history of it. Oh. Okay. Like with the printer, the printing press. Kind of, but more more like the history of 3D printing as we know it today. Okay, let's hear so, it. So the earliest 3D printer was originated in 1981 mm-hmm. and wait was, really yeah technically it goes back to like the 40s huh yeah but I'm what just, took him so long <laughs> what do you mean what took him so long i feel like it i feel like 3d printing was just like the last couple years yeah right i know yeah. um i'll i'll get to that it'll make sense why it was the last couple years in a second but um it was originated in 1981 by dr hideo kojima Huh? Just kidding. Oh, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> Metal Gear Solid, Death Stranding. No, Dr. Hideo Kodama. Oh, okay. The first prototype uh, machines that he made would use resin to cast parts layer by layer. So the printer would make pieces of a 3D like object that they were printing, and it would use resin. And if you don't know what resin is, it's like liquid plastic that dries by like UV light. I don't really know a lot about it, but it's used to make D&D dice a lot. Um, okay, then a few years later, in 1986, the man, the myth, the legend, Chuck Hull, who is widely considered the inventor of the 3D printer, he created a commercial. Yeah, Chuck. I love him. You love him? I have a picture of him in my office. You don't have an office. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he commercialized SLA, which stands for Stereolithography. That was my chapstick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Something <laughs> fell on the floor. Keep going. Um, so he commercialized SLA, stereolithography, which is like resin 3D printing that we just talked about. And he invented the .stl format, which is um, like the file format that people use for 3D printers now. Like the mod? Yeah, like that's the like, model. yeah, yeah. Okay. The 3D models that people upload to 3D printers, that's a .stl. Huh, good for him. So, so, Stereolithography is available in off-the-shelf machines. Um, it was first patented in 1984. Um, and let me gather my thoughts here because I'm trying to read and like talk about this at the same time. But anyway, what you need to know about Chuck Hole is what I already said, is that he kind of commercialized it. And stereolithography, kind of the idea of like additive like printing, is basically what kind of started... Um, 3D printing today. So in 1988, a guy named Carl Deckard licensed something called SLS, which is selective laser sintering, and it's like 3D printing that uses powder. Huh? Yeah, I know. Like, I I literally had to like read the article like seven times over to understand what it was, <laughs> and I still don't get it because it's so complicated. But it uses like powder, and it and it like combines the powder together with heat, and then it it like piece by piece makes a 3D object. I am I am way too stupid for I this know, conversation. I know I'm way too stupid, but basically, you have all these. You basically have three different um, techniques of 3D printing, which is stereolithography, which was invented by Chuck. Chuck, and then Carl with 
um, SLS, Carl. selective laser sintering, and then you have um, Hideo's Hideo Kojima. No, then you have um, fused deposition modeling, and fused deposition modeling is the plastic kind that we that we learned today. But basically, um, it wasn't until the mid two thousands where the all of the patents for like the three D printers that people made in the eighties went like into like the public domain. So that's when people started to take the patents and make their own 3D printers. And that's when um, RepRap was founded and they um, made a ton of 3D printers. And they, they actually made like DIY kits for 3D printers. Um, so like you could make your own, you could build, like put together your own 3D printer and have it at home. So you could, I think. could you 3D print a 3D printer? I'm glad that you asked that because that's actually what the rep wrap did. Wow. It 3D printed its own parts. Ah. So you can make a 3D printer out of a 3D printer. Let's go. Which is kind of amazing. That's cool. It's like a, it's like a self reproducing now that, species. Now this, I can understand. Yeah. I don't care about lithography. I care about 3D printers making other 3D printers. <laughs> that's like that, that video where the guy grinds a hot dog into a paste <laughs> and then he makes a, a, a hot dog like out of the paste dog. and yeah, he puts yeah. that in a bun. But so... That's kind of the brief history is all these different additive. I, I forget what it's called. It's just like, it's like additive printing. Cool. And so for a long time, it was used for like making parts for like in companies and like industrial type things. But once it got commercialized, um, slowly but surely it started to get easier and cheaper to do 3d printing. Um, so in 2020, that's when 3D printers reached a level of quality and price that were really accessible by most people. And that's, those are the 3D printers that we know. The really small desktop ones that go for like 200 bucks. And that's kind of the 3D printing that I really want to talk about. Because the world of 3D printing is amazing. You have these little 3D printers and you have like these spools of plastic um, that feed into this little like I don't know what you call it, like a nozzle or something or like, I don't know. But Dude, I don't know one thing about 3D printing <laughs> other than it make a little dumpster. Except the horrible history that I recounted really poorly. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I didn't listen I like, to that. This guy, I was like, this guy did this and I don't Carl. know what it is, but it's cool. Carl. And, yeah. <laughs> Basically, um, Plastic gets fed into this little nozzle that heats up the plastic into a molten level. And then it squeezes the plastic out into like layers of a 3D model that you upload to the printer. Mm -hmm. So like simply put, it's the same thing as printing uh, on a piece of paper. You send the file to the printer and then the printer goes each but layer of the text. More layers than one. Yeah, but it's but 3D. plastic. It's three D. Yeah. So the reason why like this is so amazing to me, um, is not necessarily like it itself because it it, it in and of itself is like an engineering marvel, mm -hmm. and that is a discussion for another day, but. For me, what's so cool about 3D printing is the potential of it and just the amount of things that you can do. So what I, th I think what I love, one of the things I love about art the most is, or, or really like creation in general, is you can't create things out of thin air. 
it has like paintings are painted from tubes of paint. It comes from something. Sculpture is always things put together or clay molded in a certain way or a block chiseled down. It's, it's creating something not from nothing, but something else. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what 3d printing is. It's the concept of taking a boring spool of plastic and making and turning it into something incredible. But that is combined with the world of 3d modeling, with the world of coding, with the world of engineering. And when you get the right minds behind that kind of technology, it is absolutely amazing. And I'm going to talk about that right now yeah, tell by me talking about, about, tell about me some about of it. like the most popular 3d prints prints, you know, some of the things you can do with it, some of the things that people have done with it and then just kind of like what I think of it and then I'll be done. Okay. So kind of a slow start talking about 3d printing. Um, but I thought it was important to kind of get into like how it came to be. So I think the coolest thing that I read about 3d printing was in 2015, a Swedish company called Cellink uh, made something called BioInk, and basically, it's a sweet, a seaweed-based material that can be used to 3D print biological tissue. They making people? Well, and potentially human organs. They making people? They 3D printing people, can which sounds one? really weird, but like. When you start to think of like the applications of that, obviously like in 2015, it was really primitive and you know, but the potential of like 3d printing bio, like biological material is like a medical marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I can take off that. I'm an organ donor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just 3d print a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me anymore. Yeah. Um, so one of the most popular 3d prints, can I use your phone to pull up the image of it? I'll allow it. All right. <laughs> So one of the most popular uh, 3D prints, and it's kind of a uh, something that people do to like show off like what their 3D printer can do, is this little guy. And I'll put it up on the screen for you, of course. This guy is called, oh, Benchy the Boat. I've seen that. Yeah, it's a little tugboat. Um, and audio listeners, it's literally just a blue cartoon tugboat. But this is just like a really common way to like just show off what a 3D printer can do cool it's like really cute it's like i guess it's kind of like the equivalent of like the sphere exercise in like drawing where you draw a sphere and then you draw <laughs> the shadows uh -huh. and then it's like it just kind of shows what the medium can do okay it's so yeah i don't cool. know why it's called benchy i think it's it's short for like benchmark uh -oh. yeah so which makes sense another thing is um the enable hand this is a 3d printed prosthetic hand Sorry, we had to cut because my laptop, which is being used to record, got a Discord notification and it distracted me. And he went... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the e-nable hand is a prosthetic hand that's 3D printed. Imagine you like lose your hand and you're like, oh, I'll just 3D print a new one. That's awesome. I don't know how they hook it up to the human hand to make it like close and stuff. Yeah. I think it's some medical procedure, but... Hook like up, hook so up some cool resin to your nerves. I mean, I mean, I think that there's some way that they do it, but that's so like that's really cool. They made a a hand, a hand. That's really cool. Yeah, and I just think that's they amazing. can stop taking them from dead people. <laughs> I know, <Yeah. laughs> and Frankensteining them onto people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is a 3D printed couch that looks like it looks like a 
futuristic building a roller coaster. This is by, I'm going to butcher this name because I believe this guy is Finnish. Jane or Jan or Hane or something. I'm just going to say Hane because that makes the most sense. Hane Kaitemen. He started a design label using 3D printing. And Whoa. he pioneered a lot of useful applications like furniture. He 3D prints a lot of tables and, and sofas like this one. That's a big 3D printer. I know. It's a really big 3D printer. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. but um, Another very popular um, thing that a lot of people 3D print is this guy right here. Little frog. This is a 3D printed frog we had and have named Fred the Frog. And he is also kind of similar to Benchy the Tugboat, I think. But but our frog is caked up. Our frog is caked up. He has a little butt. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, So now I'm just going to like lightning round a bunch of things that were 3D printed that are like really common. Okay. Um, Phone stands. Yeah. Lens caps for cameras. D&D dice. D&D figurines. Video game controller stands, little block puzzles, keychains, COVID face shields, new frames for broken glasses, ice scrapers for cars, tree ornaments, under desk drawers. The the possibilities are quite literally endless. I saw a model for shoes the other day. I know. Yeah. Like you can literally do anything. You can print anything as long as you have the 3D model for it. That's awesome. And this is also 3D printed. This is a little succulent planter based off the Pokemon Bulbasaur. And I sanded it down and, and I I painted it. And it's something that I've always wanted and I really like it. A buddy uh, 3D printed it for me. So this has been a lot of me just kind of barfing up info about 3D printing. And you're kind of like, and you're like isn't this an art podcast? How does it relate to art? Exactly. So <laughs> obviously it's sculpture. Obviously there's 3D modeling with it. But to me, the art isn't the art in it to me isn't necessarily like the actual 3D prints. To me, the art is in the creativity used to like see a problem or get an idea and think, oh, I could 3D print that. Or like, oh, I need like a phone stand. Oh, how could I make it like all ergonomic? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the creative art of problem solving. That's what 3D printing is to me. That's cool. Is seeing like, oh, I need a phone stand. I can just 3D print a phone stand. Or how do I get this thing attached to the wall? Or, oh, I'm missing a part for this device that I have. You can 3D print it. And that to me is really creative of seeing something missing, needing to fill a void, and finding or creating a 3D model and using the best materials to print it out, I think there's a lot of creativity to that. I think it's the same creativity that's used in construction or city planning. It's creative problem solving. And 3D printing is the manifestation of that with art and science working together. Okay, McKay, who's editing the podcast, cutting in once again. I had texted the friend who made us the frog, the avid 3D printer we talked about earlier, before we recorded the podcast, what his favorite thing about 3D printing was. And he didn't text me back until after we had recorded, so I'm adding this after the fact. He said, I really like it because you can bring your creative ideas to life, especially for those that start messing with 3D modeling. The possibilities are endless. Also, I have always found accomplishment and satisfaction in seeing and holding something that I made. It is a creative outlet for someone who's not an artist. 
Dang, that's yeah. really cool. It it just it lends itself so well to creative thinking. 3D yeah. printing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm kinda of glad that you started out with such a technological intro with the history because I didn't listen to any of it and I thought it was really boring. But <laughs> I feel like that like <laughs> I feel like it really pushes your point of like it's cool to see how art and science intertwine here. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, myself included, I have looked at people who own 3D printers and I'm like, yeah, they they study computer engineering and they're (laughs) really nerdy. (laughs) Yeah, which we love. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's really interesting to think about this, like, pursuit as an artistic and creative one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're right. We, we were in, we were having a conversation today with one of our buddies who has a yeah, 3D printer, right. and they said they said their dad has one, and he just like looks for problems around the house house now to like yeah. see if he can like find a way to use his yeah, 3D printer. Exactly. That's super fun. And there are just huge communities around like 3D printing like cases for like hand like video game handhelds they're making. There are, there's like a huge community around making 3D printed lightsabers. And I think it's just, I think 3D printing is really just emblematic of how like art is in general. Because when I think of like painting back, back in the day, like some of the earliest like paintings in Europe, I mean, painting was used to paint portraits. It was, it was used for like purely like oh, what's the word i'm looking for like not artistic like but functional yeah functional yeah. yeah thank you i mean it was mainly used for like function you know if you wanted to make yourself look good as a ruler and you wanted a nice portrait oh just call up the painter it's like the same thing as saying oh you know call up the plumber or call up the photographer because like we need this functional task to get done it wasn't necessarily for the sake of creating mm-hmm and now, I mean, painting is used for that too still, but also for the sake of creating and also to make beautiful things. Mm-hmm. 3D printing is the same way. You know, it started as, you know, something industrial and computer engineered um, to make parts for machines. And it totally is that now. But now really special and creative people are coming forward and unlocking some really cool potential where they're making prosthetic hands, but they're also making, you know, picture frame hooks and really cool looking swords. Caked up frogs. And caked up frogs. There's just, it's just kind of this just infinite wild west world that so many people are taking advantage of in the coolest ways imaginable. And I really appreciate it for that. I just feel like it has something special going on with it that I've never seen from like any other medium. Yeah. I Well, that's the funny thing about it is that I think what makes art so special so much of the time is that it's surrounded by passion. People, yeah, people so really true. passionate about their medium or their show that they like or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And goodness be darned um (laughs) if i haven't met a person with a 3d printer that was insane about their 3d printer yeah every every single person yeah (laughs) every time we meet a a a person who loves 3d printing they're like look what i printed a little gadget yeah and it's not they're not like i use this to do this and this and this and they're just like this is cool (laughs) literally like, obviously, they do functional things with it, but, like, half the time, it's just people... <laughs> They're like, I printed the They're boat. They're like, this used to be a digital 3D model, and now it's in my hand. And yeah, like, yeah. I love that, you That's know? It's super it's exciting. Just, it's, 
uh, just such a cool world that I'd love to get into someday. And I just, it's a group of passionate people. Yeah. The people who use 3D printers. And I appreciate it. I love its contributions to the world of technology and to the world of art and just to being creative in general. Wow. Okay. Thank you for bringing such a, like an interesting topic today. Thank you. I didn't, I don't think I ever would have thought of 3d printing or even 3d modeling and been like, yeah, an art form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But it is, you're right. It's different. It has some different applications, but is it not turning, taking raw materials and turning it into something more? Mm -hmm. Is that not what creation is? Whoa. Whoa. It's dropping bars. Dropping bars. That's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, dude. Can they uh, 3D print anything to stop you from burping? Probably. Would that stop you from breathing? Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about 3D printing. Yay. Okay, well, this is funny because mine actually relates quite a bit really to 3d printing i thought you were talking about a song (laughs) i am (laughs) what um can you take any guess what kind of song it is the 3d printing song yeah (laughs) i love that song (laughs) it's called benchy the tugboat how's it go and it's written by carl and benchy the tugboat (laughs) (laughs) i am i am talking about Rocket Man by Elton John. Wait, why does that have to do with 3D printing? Does he go? Does he go? And I'm gonna and I'm gonna 3D print the little frog, and he's gonna have a big butt. Okay. <laughs> Frick! I can't believe you're you let me do that. Today. I can't believe you let me do that. I just sat back. I was quiet. Okay. Oh my gosh! What a good song. I love Elton John. Okay, a lot of people do. He's like one of the, you know, highest touring artists of all time. Yeah. Like right behind Taylor Swift. Amazing. Um, So, Rocketman. The reason I think it relates to 3D printing is because it talks about this reality where being an astronaut is an everyday nine to five kind of thing. Like a day job. Yeah. And it reminds me of Ray Bradbury. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Funny that you mentioned that. Funny that I mentioned that. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, because the, like 3D printing, I feel like, is so technological and like futuristic or whatever. And I feel like that's what yeah. this song encompasses, actually. Yeah. So it relates kind of. Cool. <laughs> but it's interesting to know what? Nothing. And I think it's going right, to okay, be okay, a right. long, long time. <laughs> It's interesting to note that this song was written in 1972, or at least released in 1972. And what is that? Like three years after the moon landing? Three years from now. What? Yeah. Three years after the moon landing. Oh, we didn't land on the moon. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh dang it. Whatever you're on. I like some. This water is so good. What'd you put in it? Nothing. Okay. Oh my gosh. You want to talk about your topic? I'd love to. Sorry, (laughs) sorry. But the interesting thing about this song and why I chose it was because I learned that um, the man who wrote it, Bernie Typen, he was inspired by Ray Bradbury's short 
the rocket man no way i don't think i've read the rocket man yet is it in illustrated man it's in the illustrated man okay and for what i think i have read it then yeah you've read the illustrated yeah man. well not the whole thing wow so for those of you who don't know the illustrated man is a a collection of short stories by Ray Bradbury and Ray Bradbury is a prolific science fiction author. It's one of my favorite books. Ever. He's one of my favorite authors ever. Yeah, yeah. He he's truly a master with words and yeah. he has such a creative mind. And yeah. the the sci-fi worlds that he creates like his skill is creating these eerie atmospheres and like weaving his words to really unsettle you almost in a less is more sort of way. Yeah. There's a lot that he doesn't tell you. Yeah. But there's enough that he does tell you to kind of make you freak out. Mm -hmm. I always said that Ray Bradbury wrote science fiction, like a historical fiction author. Yeah. Because he, he's focused on the details and how the air smells and how the temperature in the room is and you know you get a sense of actually being there yeah and he describes these he describes spaceships and planets and these otherworldly technologies with everyday language in everyday terms mm-hmm. and uh he's a master but we're not talking about ray bradbury we're talking about john kind of oh i'm doing both okay yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> but so since I'm a lyric person, I figured we'd go through the lyrics. A I was hoping bit you would. From Rocket Man. Yeah. Um, so it starts with She packed my bags last night pre flight, zero hour, nine AM, and I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much, I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space on such a timeless flight. Mm. That's the first chorus. And uh, apparently, a fun fact about that: those first two lines, she packed my bags last night pre-flight, zero hour, 9 a.m. Um, Bernie, the songwriter, thought of this on his way home, and he had to repeat it to himself for two hours, which he said was unfortunate, but worth it, because he didn't want to forget it. Forget. Oh my and when he came in, he was like, no one talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the line that I really want to talk about is, I'm going to be high as a kite by then, because you know the melody there, like, and I'm going to be high. As a kite, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, th- it's really cool what he does with the melody here because he he kind of builds up to it sp- suspensefully there. Like I'm gonna be, and then he does hi ah, yeah. and stuff, and so you get this sense of actually like traveling up with him, and that like suspenseful beginning is like the nerves you feel before blast off, mm. and then you're you're high, and then you come back to earth because mm. he hasn't left yet, you know. And so he's using the melody to show the feelings of an astronaut almost and wow. like what it's like to go up, which I think is really, really great yeah. songwriting. Yeah. Um, he says it's lonely out in space. Yeah. Most missions at the time just had one to three people and it really was a lonely Dang. and sometimes depressive thing. Yeah. I mean, you're out in the black void. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And in the chorus, it says, I think it's going to be a long, long time till touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. And I really like that line because in my research, I found, surprisingly, that a lot of astronauts, after they come home from being in space, struggle with addiction, like alcoholism. Really? And stuff like that. Why? And even, well, listen, even Buzz Aldrin, the guy who landed on the moon, um, he had a period called the lost decade after he landed on the moon where he worked as a car salesman, went through two marriages and became an alcoholic after Apollo 11. Really? And it's just this idea of 
people believing that astronauts are heroes, they're amazing people, and them knowing to themselves that they're flawed human people. Yeah. And it's kind of the reckoning between these two things. Dang. Oh, my God. And so Elton John here is, I'm not the man they think I am at home. He's like doing this almost amazing job. But in this reality, it's his nine to five. He's just a rocket man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't and that's that cool? just the first verse pretty much. <laughs> Holy yeah. frick. So then what I found was interesting was this some people say that this song is an extended metaphor for Elton John's reality. He's a famous like rock star kind right. of thing. Like he's he's touring and he's he's getting all these accolades from all these total strangers who just adore him and then he has to go home and deal with habits. I mean, he was a heavy drug user and stuff and just deal with this person that he was versus the person that everybody thought he was, Dang. which is kind of the same as being an astronaut. And like yeah. even the travel into space going up and being all by yourself, mm -hmm. something so beautiful and amazing and, and no one else experiences, but you, it's the same thing that kind of rock stars experience. Yeah. Art has a really, really, really good way of just being really, really powerful metaphors for a lot of things in our lives. And uh, I think this is just a masterclass in that where, you know, he's really appealing to kind of the everyday human toil of, you know, having a mundane life, even though people think you don't. And that's done through the analogy of an astronaut in space in the future. And I just really appreciate Rocket's man, Rocket Man's ability to do that because you see that everywhere. I mean, you see that in cinema and, and paint, everywhere mm -hmm. of just these fantastical situations that are fictional, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the power of the metaphor yeah. in, in literature mostly, but in songwriting and stuff, everything like that is the ability of like authors to make you feel something that you couldn't have felt before. Yeah. And so... I kind of wanted to bring that to The Rocket Man by Ray Bradbury okay. and, and talk. I kind of have a duo here. Okay. I'm talking about the song and the short piece of fiction together because I feel that they go together. Mm. I mean, they, they do. It was inspired by one. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you've read The Rocket Man, but it is told from the perspective of a 14-year-old boy named Doug okay. whose dad's job is to be a rocket man. And I have read this. Yeah, I yeah. have read this. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> and uh, he goes to space. His dad goes to space for months at a time and comes back for a couple of days. Yeah. And he talks about his, his homecoming and him coming back. And his mom and him are super excited and they kind of stay up all night like, oh, he's getting here. And when he comes home, he treats everything really normally. And they say specifically that he doesn't look at the sky and the yeah. first day he comes home, he digs really hard in the garden and he gets the dirt all over himself. And he's just furiously digging at the garden with the sky staring at him. You know, uh, he's not yeah. staring at the sky. And then as the days progress, he slowly starts looking up, looking at the stars, like staring at them and staying out late and on their porch swing. He's like looking at the stars yeah. and his wife is like, please come back inside. And it's such an interesting progression of a story because it's it's the wife being like, I miss him and I love him and I want him here. And like trying to convince her son to be like, don't bring it up. Don't make him want to go back. Like make it so he wants to be here. And the son 
at the same time being very interested in what a rocket man's life is like and collecting all these rocks like yeah, from space yeah. and just like asking him all these questions about what it's like yeah and it's a really cool story and it do you want me to tell you the ending yeah because I've, <laughs> I've read it i know i'll okay. remember it um so the dad he talks about how um he says when you're out there you want to be here and when you're here you want to be out there and he asks his son not to become a rocket man because yeah oh it's I hard remember to this. be split around that and i let's see I wanted to read you a page of it, if that's okay. Go ahead. Um, this is at the very, very end of the story. It's a short story. Yeah. And um, we can we can link the whole story below, and I would definitely recommend reading it because yeah. it's so it's so good. Read it's all so of well Illustrated written. Man. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. <laughs> but this is at the very end, um, when his dad his dad decides that he's going out on one more trip, one more like three month long trip, and then after that he'll come home and stay home. Yeah. And he's not going to go back into space anymore. And so he leaves. And Doug is asking his mother a few questions. Um, he said, Dad said that sometimes you don't act as if you hear or see him, I said. Then she explained everything to me quietly. When he went off into space 10 years ago, I said to myself, he's dead. Or as good as dead. So think of him dead. And when he comes back three or four times a year, it's not him at all. It's only a pleasant little memory or a dream. And if a memory stops or a dream stops, it can't hurt half as much. So most of the time, I think of him as dead. But other times, I can't help myself. I bake pies and treat him as if he were alive, and then it hurts. No, it's better to think he hasn't been here for ten years, and I'll never see him again. It doesn't hurt as much. Ten years ago, said Mother, I thought, what if he dies on Venus? Then we'll never be able to see Venus again. What if he Ooh. dies on Mars? We'll never be able to look at Mars again, all red in the sky, without, without wanting to go in and lock the door. Or what if he died on Jupiter or Saturn or Neptune? On those nights when those planets were high in the sky, we wouldn't have, to do, we wouldn't have anything to do with the stars. I guess not, I said. And then the very last couple paragraphs say this. The message came the next day. The messenger gave it to me, and I read it standing on the porch. The sun was setting. Mom stood in the screen door behind me, watching me fold the message and put it in my pocket. Mom, I said. Don't tell me anything I don't already know, she said. She didn't cry. Well, it wasn't Mars, and it wasn't Venus, and it wasn't Jupiter or Saturn that killed him. We wouldn't have to think of him every time Jupiter or Saturn or Mars lit up that evening sky. This was different. His ship had fallen into the sun. And the sun was big and fiery and merciless, and it was oh always gosh. in the sky, and you couldn't get away from it. So, for a long time after my father died, my mother slept through the days and wouldn't go out. We had breakfast oh, at midnight and lunch at 3 in the morning and dinner at the cold, dim hour of 6 a.m. We went to all-night shows and went to bed at sunrise. And for a long while, the only days we ever went out to walk were the days when it was raining and there was no sun. And that's the end. Ray. <laughs> Ray. Ray. So, how do you connect this... <laughs> Other than the fact that it's based on it. What what are the parallels between Elton John's song and this story? Well, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was these two writers' abilities to put us in the shoes of something that we'll never be able to experience. Yeah. And I think that's the amazing thing about songwriting and about literature, 
about the power of words and and being immersed in them and being surrounded in them is this ability to experience things that you can only imagine yeah and i doubt i'll you know ever have my husband go off into space and fly a spaceship into the sun i might (laughs) now i kind of want to (laughs) but this very real feeling of grief and and avoiding things of like the what reminds you of your person um is something that hundreds of millions of people have experienced Mm -hmm. and and for me like i haven't had a lot of people around me like pass or or you know leave and stuff and it gives me the opportunity to almost be empathetic Mm. almost understand a little bit more in in a very relatable way even if it is so fantastical it's something that Mm. through these words i can really understand wow and uh and isn't it man isn't it just so much powerful to be able to get that kind of empathy and that kind of ability from beautiful lyrics or beautiful words rather than someone just saying like oh you should feel bad for him or you should empathize Mm -hmm. with them Mm -hmm. i mean it's just i mean like you said it's it's the power of words it's it's the ability to make us feel emotions that we wouldn't have felt otherwise Mm -hmm. if we had never you know read those words or heard that song and um dang that's the that's the power of art and especially with elton john's song like i'm gonna be high or whatever he he makes you sit in it really yeah. like you get to really feel it and and if you're because you, you can very passively listen to this song as you can passively read books and stuff absolutely but if you turn on that noise cancellation close your eyes or something <laughs> and you're listening to this it teleports you it transports you and it it really gives you the perspective of other people of other circumstances other situations yeah. and that's it's necessary it's so necessary and uh it's why we keep art around it's uh, one of the reasons is is uh what it does for us and uh, how it makes us feel (laughs) i don't really have much to say other than that i agree with everything you said and uh i'm gonna be listening to rocket man a lot differently now (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i just want to end on this idea of how cute it is like how people keep art around them like this yeah like ray bradbury's story is kind of sad as a lot of his stories yeah, are <laughs> yeah and rocket man is this conflicted reality of an astronaut but the idea that like humans want to print little frogs and little boats <laughs> and humans want to think about what it would be like to be an astronaut every day that's really cool yeah that's so true you know i think that's a really good way to kind of bind our two topics together is that we don't need to print little frogs. We can learn empathy in other ways, but there's something about, you know, printing it from a 3d printer and making that model tangible and hearing about, you know, someone being high as a kite and being an astronaut that just kind of immerses us in that you know, need for art and that need to kind of want life to be beautiful. I had an art history professor who at the beginning of the semester, he's like, we're going to go through art history, but we need to talk about like why, like what was the point of art? 
you know, he, he talked about all these different societies and their, their art. He says, you know, they don't, they didn't necessarily need art, but he said that he believed that it was inherent. It, it was inherent in human nature that we want life to be beautiful. And that's why we make art. Perfectly said. Yeah. Perfectly said. So keep surrounding yourself with beauty, even if that means printing little frogs or reading really sad literature. Yeah. <laughs> Feel something. Feel something. <laughs> wow. Okay. Whew. I feel high as a kite by now. Not drug lot wise, but like positive. And, and I feel edified. like a caked up frog. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>